Welcome to Gross Point Blank. I am Josh Gross, joining you every week on The Athletic. Thank you again for taking the time to listen. Big fight week ahead of us, right? UFC 246, the return of Conor McGregor. Who hasn't heard about the return of Conor McGregor? Of course, everyone is well aware. UFC, ESPN, they're plastering Conor McGregor everywhere. I think the fight promotion for this card. Uh, It's a regular pay-per-view. There's a lot of other fighters on the card, but it's been 98% Conor McGregor. And, you know, you sort of have to take that and accept that as a reality of the Irishman returning to the octagon. Uh, Lots of storylines around Conor McGregor and... um, you know, I was going to say this card, but really most of them center around Connor. And we're going to focus on that in this podcast. Again, uh, second week in a row, uh, no guests, just me. Hope you don't mind sort of if I, as I share my thoughts on uh, the week ahead and some of the news around this. Uh, of course, there's so many things, right? We have the fight itself against Donald Cerrone. Um, that matchup uh, we'll talk about a little later in the show. Sort of get to the heart of like, you know, what that might look like, um, you know, is... Donald Cerrone in a position to stop Conor McGregor and really, really like squelch the momentum because I, I think there's never been a more obvious time where a fighter needed a win. And, and a win would mean so much to so many people. And it's not a title fight scenario, right? So that those are the pressures on Conor and the fight. And Donald Cerrone is someone who can get in the way of that. Um, but more than just a fight, it seems like when Connor appears on the UFC stage, it just becomes a news event, news event, news event, news event. It's like uh, people are talking about this and talking about that. And most of it's been generated by McGregor's actions outside of the octagon, which he hasn't appeared in for, for many months now. Um, and the last time he did, he lost to Khabib Nurmagomedov. So, you know, he hasn't won a fight in the UFC since 2016. Um, that idea and like, you know, what has he got left? And, and people want to talk about that. Right? Who doesn't want to focus on the fight? That I, I think I think everybody agrees that like yeah, we would love to just focus on Conor McGregor fighting and the person that he's fighting against and what like, what that's like and what the stakes are and what that means and everything. Of course, everybody wants to do that, but you, you can't you can't just do it with Conor because Conor has put himself in scenarios that made it a fact of life for him that authorities had to get involved, the charges had to be impressed. That investigations had to been opened, that court cases had to be settled, that fighters were impacted, that there's lawsuits. All of that happened because of Conor McGregor. And it's like you can't separate the things out now just because he's got a fight. We can't forget those things. And so I want to sort of open up with, with that idea because um, there was this press conference uh, for UFC 246 on Wednesday in Las Vegas. And it was your typical regular UFC press conference, which is for the most part, you're not going to get a lot out of those moments for a variety of reasons. Um, most of the time, there are questions that fighters have already faced and answered. Um, I think the biggest reason why you don't get a lot of the things of value out of those moments is that the fans are included in the process. And this is uh, this has been a practice of the UFC for a long time, but it's not typical of other sports situations, right? You don't, you don't get NFL press conferences where the fans are in the background and they can shout down questions of reporters that they don't like. Um, they can, you know, sort of influence how the athlete's answering questions or whatever it is. But this is just a function of the promotional environment around fight week for the UFC. And I, I don't think it really serves anyone, which is kind of the idea. It's just a, it's just a moment to promote. And, and you know, so what do you make of these chances? It's a real chance to ask a question, right? If you're a credentialed media person, 
It is a chance to stand there and ask a question. So what do you do with that moment? What do you do with that question? Um, for some people, they want to talk about the fight. And that's totally reasonable and makes total sense. Other people want to talk around things, kind of allude to things. Other people want to ask direct questions. And, you know, we got a lot of that on on Wednesday, all, all of the three kind of a, a mix. Um, you know, I, I, so much has been made of the questions around the allegations over McGregor's involvement in the sexual assault cases in Ireland um, that it's kind of like you can't avoid the topic. But how much time do you pay attention to it? And then you see the reaction of fans afterwards saying, this is not the time and place for it. Well, it's a press conference. So it is the time and place for it. But considering the environment the press conference takes place in and the circumstances of what we know and some of the answers that have already been given to these uh, questions, it it feels like, well, what are you doing? It's just a reporter sort of showboating. But it's really not. And And I hope people sort of understand the, the um, factors at play here, all the different elements of why a reporter would want to stand up and ask a question, a direct question of Conor McGregor about a sexual assault, right? And so, you know, we know that the New York Times has reported that McGregor is being investigated for two separate allegations in Ireland. Um, they did that in 2019 with two separate news reports. Uh, we know that McGregor has, and his team have denied any wrongdoing, um, they really haven't addressed it directly. They're not allowed to. The Irish uh, laws dictate that these things can't be discussed publicly. In fact, they can't even name McGregor. Uh, again, it takes enterprising reporting like the New York Times did to actually name him uh, as the person of interest in these cases. And so all that stuff adds to this stew that we know going into Conor McGregor fight week, especially it's the first fight week uh, in a while, uh, it's one that, you know, since the allegations have been levied that we know of, he's going to get these questions and he's got to get them in a few different ways. Uh, we know that he sat down with ESPN, did an extensive interview with Ariel Hawani, and these were kind of brought up. They weren't brought up directly, but, you know, allegations and inferences and uh, how, how do you feel about, you know, these things? And don't you understand that people, you know, if, if you didn't do it, 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 it it was talking around as opposed to asking direct. And so that left an opportunity open to ask a direct question. And uh, that presented, you know, a guy who I don't think goes to a lot of UFC press conferences and names Morgan Campbell. He, he did. Uh, he took the chance to do it. Right. And it shouldn't surprise anybody that a reporter for the New York Times is going to ask Conor McGregor directly about the rumors. They've reported on these stories. They've verified news about these stories. They've, advance these stories. They've informed us as a public, right? In a lot of ways that MMA media is either not equipped or unaware or unable to do or hasn't been able to do, they did. And that's that's a service to everybody. And that, you know, that's not something you can sort of just simply forget. But the fact is a guy like that is going to stand up in an arena with fans behind him, trying to address these things, and he gets jeered, right? He gets booed. And it it all that does is immediately give uh, Connor cover and gives the UFC cover and they're doing it through the fans. And I think that's a, a piece of this that, that people sort of miss, you know, and, and another aspect of sort of the covering is that and it's not a cover up. I'm not saying anything like that. I'm just saying like a way to answer these questions or deal with these questions without actually dealing, dealing with them. Right. So Dana White immediately pointed to the interview with ESPN that, that McGregor did where he kind of talked about a little of these sort of, side tangential things. He didn't approach it directly. wasn't asked directly about it. Uh, 
again, but there's not a lot he can say. So, you know, th these this is a difficult thing to sort of understand in the moment of it, and the fans may not appreciate that questions like these need to be asked, but they do need to be asked. They they really do. Um, when he was asked by Helwani about it, McGregor alluded to patience, and he said he has to have patience, and time will tell the truth. And okay, the, like he's not. No one is here saying that he did these things. No one knows. That's the whole point. No one knows. The fact is that there are open investigations, and the fact is that his name has been tied to these things, and the fact is that he has been associated with plenty of events that reflect negatively on him. And so how is that not part of the narrative, part of the story coming into this event, especially an event where it's really there's no title on the line. It's in a weight class where he hasn't made his name. Uh, he's fighting a guy that uh, Donald Cerrone who's fought everybody. So there are high stakes in this fight, but they're not the kind of high stakes that we've come to associate so often with the Conor McGregor fight. Um, and, and yet, so all this stuff around him still exists and it still bubbles to the surface and still needs to be addressed. Every time it's been addressed and McGregor's team has talked about it, there's been denials, which is fine. You accept those, but there's still an appropriate moment to ask those questions. It still is an appropriate moment to ask those questions, okay? We, we know that Dana White has said on the record that McGregor told him it was someone else, right? So we do have these things on the record trying to understand with context of what is actually happening to the biggest star in mixed martial arts, okay? We've seen stars in combat sports and plenty of other sports have to address really difficult things that do not make them appear to be in the best of light. This is just a fact of what we know about sports. No question about it, okay? And yet they still compete and they still got on the field or they still step in the ring or they step in the cage. You know, very rarely have these things gotten in the way of actual competition. It has to be so egregious and so obvious and so uh, uh, apparent to anybody who is intellectually honest that then it comes to the point of, okay, well, now you, you've gone, this is too much and you can't compete anymore. That's clearly not the stage of Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor is competing. Dana White said to a question posed by the New York Times reporter when asked if any of these incidents ever jeopardized an opportunity for Conor to compete in the UFC, flat out no. So th this is on record. These things are important to understand for context. And in the case of McGregor actually being charged, all of a sudden, the way that we look at all this is shifted, right? If McGregor is charged tomorrow, we understand that the UFC never felt that anything he did jeopardized his shot in the UFC, that they never really did anything much to look in it. They believed him at his word. It's, to me, yet another example, if that happens, of the UFC really not caring about what's happening outside, only caring about what's happening inside, how they can monetize that, how they can make money off that, and how they can promote. And I mean, I guess you can't blame them. That's their business. But there is risk in them. There's always been risk in that. And very rarely have they stepped away from fighters. And the times they've done it, done it has actually kind of been inconsistent. Uh, they've stood by plenty of fighters who did some really, really terrible things uh, and, and stood by them in ways that actually, like, you would think would be detrimental to them and their brand, but ends up not being that way. So the lessons we know over the years is that the UFC can play in this world. They can overlook things. They can uh, promote fighters that are under suspicion, under investigation, uh, have been charged, involved in court cases, 
with all sorts of nasty stuff, and it doesn't it doesn't seem to matter. You know, that's that's really the the niche that the UFC's carved out in the sports world. They're very unique in that way. There's not a lot of leagues or promoters that can operate with that sort of sensibility. And there's not. I mean, I just I I'm if I'm forgetting something, if there's examples of other leagues that like really sort of look past, uh, I know that, you know, the NFL has been crit- uh, criticized for many incidents, uh, but at a certain point, like, you know, the UFC, I think that they've taken to other levels of just sort of the sense of anything goes. It's the Wild West. It doesn't really matter. Who cares? Why are you asking that question? That question's stupid. You know, that's, that attitude, I think, is uh, something that the UFC has earned. That reputation of, of sort of looking past these things is something the UFC has earned. And that's that's been from the top, and it's come from the top. And it's I think it's unfair to just simply chalk it up as part of the fight game. That's a piece of it. But I don't think you can really sort of look past it without a lot of the decision-making. And there hasn't been a major price to pay, uh, as far as I can recall. Not really. You would have thought that with all the way that stuff went down, even at a UFC event where Conor McGregor throws a dolly through a window and fighters get glass in their eyes, that there would have been a real, real uh, price to pay, right? That uh, the fallout for something like that would not have been so easy to gloss over. And yet it was. And yet it moved on. And the train keeps rolling. So, you know, I I think part of the uh, reason why people are so reactive to actual real questions posed in these kind of media environments is that that it what's what's it ever led to right what, what, the the UFC has had to change course and direction in certain areas i think in drug testing is a perfect example of it uh they had tried to look past a lot of the drug testing stuff and at a certain point it just became untenable and they couldn't and the way that they were operating that space made it impossible for them to keep operating the way that they were Right. But that was a, like an a, a organization decision. That was something that they were doing internally uh, that they had to change because of perception and just the reality of the, the their policies and what outcome they were having on the sport. These are now fighters who are having hard questions asked of them. What's the like, OK, you know, the UFC plays the best game. They got the best of all worlds. Fighters are independent contractors. Well, sometimes they are, sometimes they're not. You know, fighters are responsibility or responsible for themselves. Well, sometimes they are, sometimes they're not. Uh, we're regulated by the government. Well, sometimes the government steps in, sometimes it doesn't. But the one sort of constant piece of the whole equation is that the UFC is there the entire time. And they've made most of the time decisions erring on, we're going to look past this and the fight's going to happen. That's generally, generally how it's played out. Um, you know, I, 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 I think... I think if you look at these like whole cloth, right? There's nothing wrong with Conor McGregor stepping in this fight. He hasn't been charged. The rumors exist, sure, but he hasn't been charged. He's not under under indictment. Uh, you know, so what do you do with someone like that? It's I think the decision's probably pretty easy on the UFC side and apparently very easy on the ESPN side. Uh, no issues there whatsoever, right? Um, again, I, I I wonder though. You know, I wonder though, because if there are charges filed against Conor McGregor, isn't the UFC going to just appear totally feckless in this? 
aren't they for the first time going to look like they just really didn't care what the outcome was and they just supported an athlete who ended up being party to something pretty nasty? That's a big if. We're not there yet, and we may never get there. Conor McGregor may be completely innocent, okay? Which, which is the one thing I think that the UFC can say at this moment in time, we don't have the answer to that. We don't have the answer to that. And, you know, they are, are they going to really sacrifice the millions and millions and millions of dollars on the line with that question outstanding? I, you know, no, they're not. They're not. Um, you know, I, they, they've gone so far, they don't care. They put this stuff in the promotional marketing tools, right? The dolly through the bus, the, the punching the guy in the bar. We, we know this. And yet the questions still have to be asked. They do. We, we can't, I, I don't think media uh, can simply accept that this is the way life is and no one needs to answer for it. And that when Conor McGregor sitting in front of a microphone at an open press event, that it's somehow um, unacceptable to ask a question like that. And that that question's already been answered and let's move on. You know, I, I don't think that's right. I don't think that's right. Uh, and so when you get the New York Times uh, at a UFC press conference, which not so long ago would have been like, why would the New York Times ever be at a UFC press conference? But that's like the, the level that the UFC is now playing at in terms of media and interest and everything else. And certainly the level that Conor McGregor is playing at. That it's, it's not just the endemic MMA media sitting there. A lot of us want the answer to these questions. But, you know, when the New York Times comes calling, it's a little bit different. Uh, they have ways of verifying sources of information that other reporters don't, other media outlets don't, whether it's through skill or resources or whatever. So, you know, they've done more to advance this story and also keep it uh, in the news than anyone. And so when you get a New York Times reporter to ask the question, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, the way that the question was responded to, both by the UFC and Dana White standing up there and McGregor, who just sat back and really didn't say anything. Um, you know, And then the fans, and I guess you can't, you can't have any kind of expectation of how the fans are going to react to this sort of stuff, right? I mean, you can't. If I'm going to sit here and say, God, oh, the fans need to act better, I'm, I'm, I'm a fool. Like I'm, I'm completely like playing a, a game. Um, th th that's not real. Uh, if you have some expectations about fans conducting themselves and so, no, fans are fans. They're emotional. They don't care. They don't want this stuff. They just want to get to Saturday night. Yeah, maybe there's a selection of fans who care about this in a real way, and they may feel like they're being underserved here. Um, I don't know, but I think the vast majority simply don't care. And if you support Conor McGregor, you support Conor McGregor. Um, you know, it's uh, it's interesting to watch sort of the evolution of what this man was, where he came from, the heights that he reached, and now so much of dealing with a superstar status. And, you know, he's brought it upon himself. I, I don't think that there's one question that he's faced that's been a sort of a question that people would say, oh, that's a negative question that he hasn't brought upon himself, right? I think if you think of it that way, it helps you understand why these questions come and why he faced them. It's that people aren't out to get Conor McGregor. 
I, I don't, I think there's this feeling that sometimes reporters like, oh, they got the, the gotcha question, right? They just want to, they want to get you. Uh, it's not my sense of most reporters. Most reporters don't want to just get you, but there is a responsibility. Like they have to ask the question. And more than just asking the question, you know, you have to go and verify and dig and, and get information because uh, you can ask people whatever you want and they can deny whatever they want, but it's got to be more than that. So for real, like it's in, in, in these hard things that are difficult to report, that's why you need a New York Times to sit there and advance the story. You know, that's, I say that as someone who's tried to look into all sorts of different stories and run into roadblocks and couldn't quite figure out how to do it and get that answer myself. I'm appreciative for outlets who do push and do get those answers. It's important. Um, you know, I, I, I'm saying all this and I don't know that in the end it makes much of a difference whether Connor answers or doesn't answer on Wednesday. Now, I think we all would have loved for him to open up and say what his experience was and say why authorities think it's him and say all these things that sure would have edified us, right? It would have given us more information, more context, but it also would have led to a thousand more questions. He can't do that. I think he's actually legally prohibited from doing that. In Ireland, they can't talk about uh, people who are under investigation. And so why, why would he ever do such a thing? Of course he wouldn't do it. And he gets cover from the organization and he gets cover from the fans that are sitting there. And why would he ever answer? But that doesn't mean you don't ask. It doesn't mean you don't ask. And um, I'm, I'm glad that Morgan Campbell, who's working for the New York Times, did that. Um, and if you think that's, that's stupid or that's a dumb thought, I'm happy to hear from you. Um, I think we're going to disagree about what media does and what the role is. And, you know, even, even, in, even media in a fight space like this, where it really doesn't matter, okay? We're not, we're not talking about matters of life and death. And we are not talking about uh, matters of government. And we are not talking about, you know, real critical things in the lives of people day to day. But the fact is that the UFC and mixed martial arts is a multi-billion dollar business now. There are huge uh, pulls and directions politically, culturally, in all sorts of ways that they didn't exist before. Mixed martial arts matters across the world. And so, yes, the media has a responsibility to do its job. And I'm glad that they did that job. And I think they'll keep, continue to do that job. And what I would like is for fans to understand that. Again, maybe that's pie in the sky. But I, I, I would hope that there's some sense of Connor did this to himself. Okay? Connor brought these questions upon himself. He, he is the one who's, who is the reason for why these questions need to be asked. They don't come out of nowhere. Conor McGregor's not sitting down on ESPN saying, I haven't had a drink for six months because he'd been totally above board, right? I mean, this is, this is someone who is sort of searching for himself, someone looking for answers, someone who has made mistakes. We don't know how bad those mistakes really were. And we're going to be curious. And we're going to need to ask those questions. Even environments where the really the purpose and the point and the whole th reason why the promotion puts on that press conference is to get out that on January 18th, Conor McGregor is fighting Donald Cerrone, and that's the only thing that matters. Oh, by the way, it's 65 bucks plus $5 for ESPN+. Plus. So that's the only thing that matters. 
uh, media don't have to play within those lines. One of my favorite things about being in the media is that you don't have to color within the lines. You know, not really. Not if you're not if you're really doing the job. And uh, you know, that's that's what we saw on Wednesday. That's what we saw on Wednesday. I don't think that that press conference did anything to get people hyped up for a fight. You had two fighters who were extremely cordial. I think McGregor's playing the good guy role for a lot of obvious reasons. He is not in a position where he can fly off the handle right now. Um, maybe he's grown up. Maybe he's learned lessons. But absolutely, he's being conscious of how he's being perceived. There's no question about that. And that all feeds into what I've been talking about. That all feeds into this. Conor McGregor is not having a sweet, pleasant press conference with Donald Cerrone if it weren't for everything that I just referenced. If, if this wasn't a reality of Conor McGregor's life, where he's facing open investigations for sexual assault, according to the New York Times in Ireland, if he hadn't thrown the dolly through the window, if he hadn't punched the bar patron in Ireland, if he hadn't done this, done this, done this, done this, right? If, if he hadn't done those things... I, 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 I don't see any reason why we'd be in a situation where him and Donald are super sweet to one another. You know, it's, it, all, it all comes together. And that's why these things have to be thought of in a larger way, full picture, and why the questions need to be asked. Bottom line, we still got to fight, right? And, and I, I, despite everything I just said and working through all of that, you know, we do have this thing on Saturday. And I don't feel a massive amount of energy around it. Uh, I don't take it to be a big event. I think, you know, that could shift. I think you get a lot of late arrivals. I think the power of ESPN and how they're pushing this fight could have a big impact. And by Saturday night, we're looking at a pretty massive card. Uh, I think internationally, it still could do very well and it could do big business. Um, But it just doesn't feel especially relative to other McGregor contests, it doesn't feel like a massive event, does it? I mean, really, I, I'm, not, I'm not getting that. Now, I say that, and there's still a fight to take place, and there's still many, many stakes. And we're going to take a break, and I will get back on that, talk about the fight itself, and sort of, you know, right the ship. And if you, this whole rant that I had in opening, if you hated the whole thing, well, we got some fights to talk about, and we'll talk about them on the other side. I am Josh Gross. You are listening to Gross Point Blank. And welcome back to Gross Point Blank. So, yeah, we, we covered the narrative and why these things are important to discuss. And, you know, a lot of the reaction sort of goes back to the whole idea of, and we're in this era of now, like, you know, stick to sports, right? Stick to sports. Oh, sports and politics or sports and this and sports and that. They don't mix. Stick to sports, right? Well, give me a break. They, they do mix. Um, and we can't separate these things out. But... I know why people tune in and people tune in for the event. And so let's, let's sort of focus on that. I mean, that's, there's so much to unpack here. And I, I, I do think that this is an interesting moment for the UFC considering it's a January card and it's an early pay-per-view and it, the potential for it kicking off this entire season of McGregor, um, presuming everything breaks his way and there's no price to pay and there's no assault uh, charges and nothing, you know, if that stuff goes away, if there's nothing to it. And he goes out and beats Donald Cerrone you're talking a potential massive year. And that's that's something that Dana White alluded to at the press conference and the opportunity for just a, a big, big uh, return to mixed martial arts for Conor McGregor. Of course, he's got to get past Donald Cerrone, right? I think he will. I'm just going to say that off the top. And I'm not going to try and like hold any suspense here. I think Conor McGregor beats Donald Cerrone. 
I think he finds a home for his left hand. Uh, Donald Cerrone is a tremendous fighter with an unbelievable resume. Uh, one of the most prolific fighters in the history of the UFC. Everybody knows what he's done, where he's been. Um, but he's older now, and his last two fights were extremely difficult. And, I, you know, I just, it's a quick turnaround. Look, this will be his third fight basically in six months, seven months if you want to add, add plus one. Okay. So the previous one was a super brutal stoppage when he fought Tony Ferguson. And then he had a very difficult time against Justin Gaethje and took a lot of damage there. Uh, he's been stopped, he's been up and down. You know, I don't see anything really from Donald that gives Connor too much problems. I don't. Um, if they end up on the floor and if Connor is clipped with something, then yes, Connor can get submitted. But I, I think I think Cerrone has a hard time, even if he's interested in it, getting Connor to the ground. He is not Khabib Nurmagomedov. You know, there's there Connor gets kind of dismissed. Uh, and I, I think maybe I've been guilty of this as well. You know, that, that Khabib fight was just too overwhelming for a lot of us. I think many of us felt like going in, like Connor didn't really have a chance in that fight, and it just lived up to form. But the fact is that that's the reality for most of the people that Khabib Nurmagomedov is going to fight face in his career, okay? It's not just Connor McGregor. The, most of the people that Khabib's going to face are going to walk into the cage with a sense of, Man, how do you do this? Like, how do you how do you really survive this? I happen to think Tony Ferguson is one of the people capable of finding that answer out, and we'll hopefully know in April. But Connor is not. Okay, I give Connor a slightly better shot of beating Khabib than he would of beating Floyd Mayweather in a boxing bout. Maybe not that. Maybe I'm being dramatic here. Look, I, I think if they fought ten times, Connor would be lucky to win a fight. Stylistically, it's a terrible matchup. It's a terrible fight for him. That's not the case with Donald Cerrone. Donald Cerrone is a kickboxer who's got a submission game, not the strongest wrestler. He's also now on the downside of his career. Reflexes are slowing. His speed's slowing. Everything about this says that this is the perfect comeback fight for Conor McGregor, and I think we will see him sharp. I think we'll see him effective, uh, good movement. He'll look solid at 170. You know, essentially, this is a lightweight fight without weight cutting, which is fine by me. But you know, if we're talking about the best in the game at 155, yeah, Khabib's not doing that, and Tony Ferguson aren't, isn't doing that, and those guys are legit, legit lightweights. So, you know, I'm not sure how this fight, if Conor wins, all of a sudden gives a fight at 155. Except that that's how business is done in the UFC, and we accept that as a, as a reality, right? So, um, I think that that left hand of Conor McGregor is going to find pay dirt. He will hurt Cerrone, and he will finish Cerrone. I don't know when in the fight. I would say in the first two rounds. Um, just as like a pure gut instinct as I think about that fight. Um, if it goes the other way, then a lot of people are hurting. <laughs> a lot of people are waking up on Sunday and wondering what the hell they're going to do. Because there is a gravy train associated with Conor McGregor. And it's not just people around him. It's the sport. It's the UFC. It's shoot. Even some people in the media at that press conference on Wednesday were talking about how Connor lifts all of them up and makes gets their paychecks. I don't, you know, I thought that was all trash, but you know, there are people who think that way. So that's why a win is so important for the guy. Okay. 
anything other than a victory for Conor McGregor on Saturday, I think makes people feel like, what do we do? How do we, how do we figure this out? Because a loss says to me that you can't just build another promotion around him and you just can't throw him on a pay-per-view and expect that 99% of the coverage is about Conor McGregor. And you certainly can't expect that the people of Ireland are going to care as much as they've done in the past. They don't care as much as they did now because he has lost. And I, I, MMA uh, has this level to it where winning and losing kind of matters, kind of doesn't, right? But that doesn't work in certain parts of the world where they still consider this like a sport. And if you look at like boxing wins and losses, you lose in boxing, that's pretty devastating. And all of a sudden people perceive you completely differently and whatever pull you had is extremely diminished. That's not been the case in MMA. But I think for someone like Connor, who is being perceived and pushed, you know, Irish Muhammad Ali and all these things, you know, the idea that he could be among the best and now has been exposed by Khabib and would lose to Donald Cerrone and hasn't won since 2016. All of these things matter. All of these things matter in a big way. And that, that's why no matter what the victory is, submission, knockout, split decision, how tight it is, as long as he gets his hand raised, I, I, think, I think that's, that's really what's got to happen for him. Uh, of course, of course, if he goes out and starches Donald Cerrone, that, then you, know, you light the fire again. And it's it really is. I equated I equated uh, Connor to a snuffed fire, and he's done most of the snuffing himself. Really, you know that that man should be burning bright and loud. He's made some choices that were risky, and you know he's not above risky decisions. You know, I, I in the end, the the Mayweather fight put a lot of money in his checking account, but from a perception standpoint and what he represents to people, was it the best decision? I don't know. Probably not. But no one expected him to win that fight. Everybody expects him to beat Donald Cerrone. He has to beat Donald Cerrone. Has to do it. And if it goes the way that I think it will, then, you know, we'll move on to the next one. And then we'll see. We'll see who the UFC matches him up with and what the stakes are in that fight. But they'll have the chance to do it. They'll really have the chance to do it. Um, My sense of this fight is that Connor's movement will be problematic for Donald Cerrone. The, the distance and timing that he operates with will be problematic. That Cerrone will be not tentative, but he'll have to take risks and he'll get countered and pay a price for it. And you know what? Connor's got a mean left hand. He's, he's a heavy puncher. He's a very heavy puncher. And uh, I'm not sure that Donald Cerrone's going to be able to hold up to that. Um, you know, we, we saw how often Nate Diaz went down to Conor McGregor and, and Nate's toughness kept him in that fight. Um, but you know, look, we've, we've seen now multiple instances of Cerrone go down and not get back up. And I, I think generally that's, that's the direction that I would expect this fight, uh, this fight to go. So that's the main event of UFC 246. It really kind of is the only fight that people are talking about on this card. Um, the rest of the main card looks like Holly Holm against Raquel Pennington. That's okay fight. It doesn't do much for me, honestly. Um, you know, Holly Holm, I think we've seen her at 45 and 35 so much now, and we kind of get where she is at this stage of her career. Um, she is losing a lot more than she's winning these days, and that completely colors my interest in, in what she does. Raquel Pennington, again, you know, she's, she's lost her fair share. She won an extremely tight fight against Irene Aldana in her last one. 
Um, you know, some people didn't think she won that fight. So, you know, that's the co-main here. And uh, it's, it's, you can get why people are really focused on Connor. I think it'd be a focus on Connor no matter what, regardless of what else was in the card. But the way the card is built, it totally makes sense of how this thing is being pushed and how people are reacting to it. Uh, there's a heavyweight fight, Alexia Linick against Maurice Green. Okay. Uh, Claudia Godella against Alexa Grasso. I like that fight. I like that fight. Uh, you know, it's there's intrigue there. Uh, I think it's important for the division at 115. Um, I, it's it's fine. There's, it's like, again, there's nothing wrong with it. To me, the best fight, not the main event on the card, is the Anthony Pettis against uh, Carlos Diego Ferra fight. So, and most mostly because of Diego Ferreira, who has been on a roll. He looks very good. He looks like he's someone who has something to say in this lightweight class. And this is a fight for him to make a point. Uh, Anthony Pettis is a fine fighter. Um, you know, I I don't know what you take away from that Nate Diaz fight. It was in the wrong weight class. Uh, I still think that that result against Stephen Thompson is impressive. So, you know, there's there's a little intrigue here. It's back down at 55. And, um, you know, I... I would expect Ferreira to win. Um, really, if you're looking for action, and not that these fights like aren't action fights, but I think if you're expecting some fireworks, that the the prelims on ESPN are pretty good. Um, Roxanne Mafari is being fed to Macy Barber, and if Roxanne wins this fight, I'd be shocked. Uh, I really would be shocked. Um, not saying it's impossible, but um, it sure seems set up for her to take a fair amount of punishment. And for the kid, Macy Barber, to, to move on and win. I like this fight at 145 between Andre Feely and Sadiq Youssef. Uh, good questions to be answered there. Feely had a great 2019. Youssef was someone who stood out as well. And I think uh, a lot of people paid attention to him. Both of them had two wins last year. Both were impressive in those victories. That That's a fight to watch on the ESPN prelim card. And I don't think this is a, a, a card where people are going to be like, oh, wow, that fight on the ESPN prelim was amazing. I got to tune in now. Like, you've made up your mind whether you're watching this card or not already because of Connor. So what I do think is that it could get some energy flowing in the arena and get people excited. Uh, this is a Vegas card in January. Um, you know, I, I think you, you're going to look at this stretch for really sort of setting the tone for what the pay-per-view portion may look like. Uh, flyweight fight between Tim Elliott and Askar Askarov. And a lightweight fight between Drew, Drew Dober and Nasrat Hakprast. That's also an interesting contest for me at 155. Uh, that's the ESPN portion. And then you got three fights on, on Fight Pass. So, look, UFC 246, the return of Conor McGregor. Um, there's a lot to pay attention to, and I don't feel like most of it's about the fight. And I, and I think that's why you know I opened the way that I did and why I think the conversation in the media... Uh, that has existed around this contest and and Conor McGregor now for a few years is important and relevant and not something you can just sort of skip over. It's it's not. I, I think I think if people want to do that, it's a disservice to fans, a disservice to the sport, uh, disservice to everybody involved. Quite honestly, um, I, already I mean the the UFC pay per view open. I think Dana White uh, put it out on social media on Thursday. It's exciting. It's a sweet like Bon Jovi riff, right? And it's it gets you fired up to watch the fights you already paid for. They don't even mention the, the Nurmagomedov fight in there. 
They don't. So like, you know, there are narratives scripted around these things and the media's role is not to play in those narratives. So they're to discuss them, analyze them, expose them and tell people what's actually happening. And that's a fact. And if that bothers you, then that bothers you. And you know, you're probably not listening to this quite honestly. Um, but for the people on social media who are bitching about whatever the media is doing and it's got you this and got you that and what's the point and why are you doing this and it's not appropriate, it, it, it absolutely is appropriate and quit it. And you're not helping anybody by saying those things. You're really, you're really not. Um, I, I know we want this to be fun, right? I know we want this to be like, oh man, Conor McGregor's back. You know, I want, I know you want it to feel like 2016 when he's fighting Jose Aldo. Or was it 2015 when he fought Jose Aldo? It's so long. I don't know. But it's not. Life's changed. Connor's changed. Connor McGregor has changed. He is not that person anymore. It was 2015. He is not the man that knocked out Jose Aldo. He says as much. And how could he be? But it doesn't mean he gets a pass on anything. Absolutely not. It also means that he shouldn't be falsely accused. No one should be. We don't know the answers to these questions. They are worth thinking about and asking and exploring. And we continue to do that. And nothing wrong with it. So that's my story and I'm sticking to it. I'll be watching Saturday night. I'll be doing the uh, final thoughts coverage on The Athletic. We do have the event covered in all sorts of different ways on the website this week. You should, uh, you should please check it out. Lots of good stuff. And um, yeah, we'll see how this thing shakes out. Are we waking up on Sunday and Conor McGregor lost again? A lot of people, a lot of people will be upset. A lot of people would really be affected by that. That's pressure. That's pressure on Conor McGregor. And a different kind of pressure maybe that he's had to deal with. I mean, that, you know, uh, I, th- I think there's a sensibility in him that nothing can really get in the way. Not that he's untouchable, but that he can will anything into existence. That's, that's been a part of his experience. I mean, part, part of what's made him so special is that he's done that, right? But uh, life has a funny way of checking you. And he's, he's not been his own best advocate. And if he's not winning fights, then what? Well, we'll talk about that next week. Uh, Thank you for listening. I appreciate your time. As always, check out our stuff on The Athletic. You can rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Always appreciate your support. I am Josh Gross. You have been listening to Gross Point Blank on The Athletic.